Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is Pratt Rogers, and we're going to talk a little bit about football. I do want to thank everybody for subscribing and getting us to over 5,000 subscribers. That's a major landmark for the channel, but we're trying to hit 6,000 and 7,000. We're going to do a live stream on Tuesday nights. Um, and we're going to talk about college football playoff reaction because that's where we are. But once we hit 6,000, we're going to start doing remote broadcasts. So, like, I could go and do a show from the Under Armour All-American game or a bowl game that Ole Miss is in or something like that, or a football game in Oxford, for instance. So that is for 6,000 subscribers, and 7,000 is a call-in show. We're going to do a call-in show at 7,000 subscribers it should be a lot of fun. I just have to figure out how to do it. Anyway, Pratt, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be on after a Rebel victory. And uh, look, I don't think it was a surprise to beat Vandy, but um, darn glad we did it. You know, it wasn't a big deal beating Vandy, okay? it was, But that was a huge win for Ole Miss because that means the next two games mean even more. Because it, sure. you get to the point where you can play Texas A&M, and we're going to talk about some keys to it. We're going to talk about our defense. But you play Texas A&M for the opportunity to beat them. And if you beat them, you've got the biggest game potentially in school history against the Georgia Bulldogs because of what that game would mean. But let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. The Texas A&M Aggies are on the schedule and this week, and Ole Miss is playing them at 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. You can catch it on Sirius XM Channel 190. You know, it's a situation to where I think this game is going to be, and I, I did this with Dalen, and I talked about it on today's show. This is a 1990s-era SEC football game disguised as a 2020 spread offense game. I think that is what this game is going to be. Interesting take. I don't hate it. Dive into that a little bit more if you don't mind. Well, I think this is completely a trench game. Like the in the 90s in the SEC, it was about the offensive and defensive line. And both sides is going to be about how the offensive line is dealing with the front seven of the other team and which one of those front seven affects the quarterback the most is probably the team that's going to win the game. It's not so skill-oriented. It's not just going to be open up. I think this game has a chance to be a 20-17. to 17. Um, So it, it's just a throwback football game of really physical downhill teams. Yeah, look, I, I think that's spot on. Um, look, I mentioned to you kind of off-air, I said, look, I think uh, their defensive line is probably the strength of their team, and our offensive line could be deemed one of the weak, weaker points of our team potentially. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup, Stephen, for sure. I hope that we come fully prepared, have a good game plan. This is not going to be some sort of walk in the park game. I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight, and I'm I just I think we can pull it out. I know we're favored by what three, three and a half. Somewhere in there. You're at the point, I think um, like 80% of the money is on Texas A&M right now, but like 70% of the bets are on Ole Miss, which means wow. Texas, A- Texas A&M got some large bets somewhere along the way. And that's not that's not to be unexpected whenever you're dealing with oil money in Texas. They, they've yeah. got the money to throw around. So, I mean, 
you don't want to put too much stock in it, but they're moving the line to try and get that money 50-50 on both sides. So it's going to keep coming down to try and encourage Ole Miss people to bet on that game. Well, maybe they can use some of that gambling money to come up with uh, Jimbo Fisher's contract buyout if, if necessary, hopefully after this game. But, uh, yeah, look, I think that this is a, a, a big test. I think this, obviously, you mentioned, and uh, this leads to Georgia. And I think Georgia leads to all paths of a, of a massively successful season. So, um, look, you got to get through Texas A&M. I think we will. Um, I'm confident it's a home game. Uh, as long as we just don't come out kind of slow and reticent uh, for an 11 o'clock game, uh, I think that that – I think we, we sh- are a better football team. In 21-22 and this year, Lane Kiffin is 19-2 and in home games. And those two losses were at the end of last year when it got kind of weird. But even in that case, the ball was in the air on the last play to beat Alabama – and a two-point yep. conversion to tie Mississippi State happened. So nobody is coming in here and dog-walking Ole Miss at this point. And I 100% agree with that. Yeah, and it, the crowd needs to be completely jazzed out and um, ready to go. This, I think this is a real tree game. I mean, that's kind of the worst-kept secret in the world right now. Um, you had Quinshawn Judkins um, posing for a graphic that says, on the hunt talking about the Texas A&M game and and Hunt, obviously a Realtree thing. But if you look at the bottom in the background, it's the Realtree pattern. Um, I talked about how all of the clothing lines and everything got released so they could distribute them before this game. And I said, hey, that's happening. The Quinshawn Judkins stuff. I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but it looks like it's happening this weekend. And Tyler Jordan just retweeted that without saying not this weekend. And normally oh, nice. Says, yeah, and normally when he says it's not that weekend, he'll let me know that it's not that weekend. He just retweeted it this time. So I, I think it's going to happen. I had a management cl- uh, class in college with Tyler. He said he wouldn't know me, but he seemed like a really good guy. That's awesome. Uh, get you some PR like that. He's, he's a good dude. Yeah, it, it should be pretty interesting. So I imagine it's going to look really good. They're going to be extremely jazzed up. Expect the – Real tree powder and white pants um, for Texas A&M again. Uh, and I expect the Ole Miss offense to come out and be absolutely on fire because two things are happening this week. First of all, Lane Kiffin is playing with Jimbo online. He did say that Texas A&M, they have the talent to be a top five team and them not being a top five team obviously is a shot at somebody. It, it, it was weird. But they are being over-respectful of this defense, which means they're probably going to have to scheme some stuff up. And they might not think they can win straight up. And that, that's a good thing, everybody, before everybody freaks out. That means that the, the timing is going to be varied on the plays. The tempo post-snap, you'll have one steps, three steps, five-step type drops to where it's not just every play, two and a half seconds, you have to get to a certain point if you're a pass rusher. You don't know if the ball is going to quick come out quickly or if it's going to come out late. It's going to make you a little bit slower. Kenton Gibbs from College Football Kickoff Live had the saying, if you're thinking, you're stinking. And um, anything that can give make Texas A&M's defense play a little bit slower is advantage Ole Miss. 
Well, look, I agree with all that. I think that's a kind of a point that I hadn't really thought of. I like that. And I hope we go into it with a kind of game plan similar to that, Stephen. I mentioned to you too, I said, look, I think that, um, you know, there was a little bit of cause for concern, I think, on the offensive line during the game. Uh, I said that it's seemingly that kind of double A-gap blitz we saw a few times work. I just – I hope that the weakness of our team is enough to kind of propel us forward. I think that that coming up with creative scenarios, getting the ball out quickly is probably the key to the game here too. Getting the ball out quickly and making the defensive line and the defensive players play side to side. So you're going – for people that don't like the jet sweep, you're going to see some jets in this game. You're going to see that toss sweep play. You're going to see them running quick screen passes to get people out and get people moving side to side. Because if that happens, the magic number to me is 27 minutes. And if Ole Miss runs their normal offense and has time of possession for 27 minutes, I'm not talking about just holding on to the football. I'm talking about actually doing the tempo stuff and keeping it for 27 minutes. This offense is so much more effective than if you're below that. The difference is the first three quarters at, against Georgia Tech and against LSU. That's, that's the difference this offense can swing. And it's going to be important to make this defensive line stay on the field, get first downs, earn the right to throw in the secondary because this secondary is not good. It's not LSU bad, but it's not good. And if you earn the right to throw on them, you set it up to where the defensive line slows down rush-wise and you can hit some shot plays, I think you have a chance to be pretty successful against AM. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned effectiveness of the offense. You know, it felt like during the Vandy game, there was a lot of, uh, dissatisfaction with the offense and I just mm -hmm. I, I think we're in a good spot offensively I'm not worried about synergy or you know talent or anything like that I think we're in a really good spot offensively and I think we are defensively as well um, but I felt like there was a lot of noise on social media of you know oh we just beat Vandy you know 33 to 7 you know we covered the game and, and I thought that people said oh Dart didn't have a great game you know we talked about how I think he gets a tough rap from the fan base but look this is a very talented offense this is a great unit like they deserve a little bit more praise and I hope they put it all together for this Texas A&M game yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is absolutely the truth, but I, it might be that Ole Miss is like leading the SEC in margin of victory, like the scoring for and against whenever you look at that. It's like it, it's it's pretty good. Ole Miss beat Vandy by 26 points. Um, Georgia beat that same Vandy team by, was it 30 to 17 or 37 to 20, something, 17 points? I mean, that's Georgia. Something like that. Yeah. 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 And, and yep. nobody has held that Vandy team, and everybody likes to make fun of them less than 14 points. This is a ex fairly explosive Vanderbilt team. Everybody likes to make fun of what's going on, but they have hit big plays on dang near everybody this year. And Ken Seals, who had to come out of the game because Ole Miss absolutely smothered him and just completely took it out of him, he played the full game against Georgia, had about 280 yards passing and a couple of touchdown passes. Yeah. I mean, it's not as simple as going, well, this team is obviously terrible because they have a star on their helmet or, well, a V on their helmet now. And that's <laughs> not the case. Yeah. Um, I hate that this rivalry is gone, by the way. And just I do too. On the, I do too. Yeah. I, 
And it's not even the fact that it's a game that Ole Miss should win most every year. Um, it, it's the fact that I enjoy the weirdness of it. I enjoy the JP game of the week aspect of it. Yep, no doubt. I uh, I, I had some friends go to Vandy. I'll miss that, uh, you know, kind of noise before the game, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I uh, I can honestly say I don't have any friends that went to Texas A&M, so I don't think I'll be uh, be feeling bad for them this weekend at all. How about that? Yeah. Um, let's see. Lane Kiffin is picking on John Sokoloff seemingly every time he's in there in the press conference room. I, I think that is – Maybe maybe there's some bygones being bygones being done by Lane Kiffin. I kind of liked that, Stephen. I kind of thought that that was cool. I think it shows a little bit of humanity from Kiffin after, you know, he was the way he was during that Auburn search. And, uh, you know, I think he genuinely likes John as a person, if I had to guess, the way he kind of picks on him. And he's laughing and smiling when he says this stuff. And, I think that's cool. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot to mention with that other than the fact that we both just uh, – I think that we both agree that that shows a little bit more than, hey, I'm just a head football coach. Yeah, and, and you have a situation um, to where Lane obviously was mad about what happened before. That 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 was a mad real thing. Mad is an thing. understatement. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was a real thing. Um, but – you have a situation now where I think Lane realized he's going to be here and have to deal with this person often. So is the next time something comes up, it might be a better with honey than vinegar type situation. Yeah. No. And that's the, I think that's the right way to approach that. And mm-hmm. yeah, John seemingly handles it well and doesn't mind talking about it. And um, Anyway. Yeah. I thought that was a cool point during the, the, what was that? The post game. Yeah, and an interesting situation. There's a um, big recruiting weekend this past weekend for Vanderbilt. Some players like Caleb Odom took an unofficial visit last week, and he's taken an official against Texas A&M. And if that happens, I don't care what anybody says. The kid's on flip watch if he's coming back-to-back weeks to Ole Miss games, unofficial and official, period. It, it, that is something we need to keep an eye on. Um, you have K1 Lacey, obviously that is starting to be like on commitment watch, either Alabama or Ole Miss or Florida are kind of leading for him at the moment. But I like where Ole Miss is at the moment. Um, Trevor Jackson, the quarterback out of Orlando, decommitted. I'll let everybody know. Apparently, I talked with the Florida football scout and talking about Trevor Jackson because obviously we're about an hour away. And he said that he is splitting reps on his high school team with the sophomore player. I think this is a situation where Ole Miss and the kid just kind of went their separate ways. Um, yeah. Because that happened. You know, I feel like people immediately jump on and say, oh, we we broke up. Almost like a ex-girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. We broke up with him. You know, that may not be 100% true. Calling it a mutual separation is uh, – is I think a pretty accurate term on this from what I'm well, kind of gathering on social media. I I, I think this, it, it feels like us calling it a mutual parting of a ways is us being nice to the kid. Okay. So you think, you think he got yeah. dumped. Okay. Yeah, I don't All think right. he, I don't think he got dumped. I think he got told to look around. Yeah. Because um, you have the situation. I was going to go over and watch him play um, sometime in September, the beginning of September, I was going to go over and watch him play. 
And then two hours before the game, I found out he wasn't even starting. Yeah, and, I knew he'd had a tough season. Yeah. Uh, I hate and it for the kids because he seemed like a good kid. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half over there, and there's a chance the kid's not even going to play. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, that's that's a real thing. And and it's just a, it's a weird situation. It, the kid has a great arm. He had he throws such a very pretty pass, but if you look at his completion percentage, just like hovering around fifty percent, something is not clicking with this kid. And and like I said, he's going to find his way. He could end up at MTSU or something like that, and will be absolutely fine. Well, look. Uh, also, you sit there and say this is a you got to have a lot of stones to walk into this QB room right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty probably in in our room of what that looks it's certainty for Ole Miss we'll have a good quarterback but it's not certainty who's going to be playing uh you know the next two to three years down the road there's a lot of balls in the air regarding that and if you're Trevor Jackson you're probably sitting there saying hey look this is uh a lot more than I was not getting on the field yeah a lot more than I probably bargained for Mm. um so I, I that that was kind of my <laughs> mutual breakup story, but you know it's out. Yeah, yeah it's one of those things that you know, as, as soon, yeah, as soon as it happened, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not surprised even a little bit. It's yeah. one of the yeah. Um, now I will say this: I don't think that Ole Miss necessarily needs to sign a quarterback this class. I, I don't either. Look, there's no need to go get somebody who's not. If you have the opportunity to go get an immediate plug and play and mm. the tremendous upside and somebody that you truly see as a starter, go do it. But otherwise you use that use that number for scholarship number for somebody else, you know. I, I think. Um, you know, I could have could be wrong on that, but I just think we there's other positions of need right now that that Ole Miss could utilize that in a better way for. Yeah, you have um, Walker Howard, who's not going anywhere, um, just period. He's not transferring out. You don't have to worry about him leaving at all. Even if Jackson Dark comes back, you don't have to worry about Walker Howard leaving. Um, Austin Simmons, per somebody pretty close to the situation, about as close as you can get, he's set to graduate college December of 2024. And if that happened, he's not going anywhere either. Yeah. No, I mean, that's insane. Uh, He's probably going to the NFL or something. You know, I don't don't know what you do at that point. But anyway. You have to be three years after high school to go to the NFL. So he'd have to come back. But even if Jackson Dart comes back, this is my point. Even if Jackson Dart comes back, Walker Howard's not going anywhere. It's going to be fine. Jackson Dart coming back is nothing but a good thing. And Austin Simmons, thanks to that graduation path, I don't think he's going anywhere either. It's a weird situation. And then after the 2024 season, Jackson Dart graduates and you have the quarterback competition in between Austin Simmons and Walker Howard, and probably you lose the loser of that competition. Yeah. I mean, I no, I mean that, that's the way it's going to go. And, you know, we not to jump ahead, we were loading this podcast talking about Texas A&M, but, you know, we do look forward to the 2024 season. And, gosh, you just wish you had Spencer Sanders on the sideline for the 2024 season if you can really do something special with a playoff run. 
uh, having that level of experience would be awesome. Yeah, I I don't. Why? Yeah, I I I think Walker Howard and Austin Simmons, both of them have higher ceilings than Spencer Sanders. But I I would agree with that. But you say in twenty twenty four, if Dart goes down five games in, but you have a junior Walker Howard with a year in the season. In the season, say that again. Um, you have a Walker Howard with a year in the system coming in as a backup. Walker Howard, I think, would be fine. Okay. Well, look, anyway, it's just food for he, thought. He uh, yeah. In the spring game. Well, look, I was a little surprised Walker didn't get, you know, some of the mop-up duty in the Vandy game. I mean, that was something I wanted to bring up on here anyway. Nice segue. I was kind of kind of interested in that. That 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 was um giving it an attaboy to Spencer Sanders for being a good soldier because I can't imagine this is easy for him. He has been a great soldier. I mean, yeah. that is that is incredible. His, like I said, his patience is commendable. Not mm. something I'd probably do with open arms. So good for him. And I think he's going to catch a touchdown pass this year, and it's going to be thrown by JJ Pegues. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think that is coming. That would be awesome. It's going to be the either the jet sweep. They're they're going to do something where they hand him off on the jet sweep, and maybe a pass gets thrown. They are setting stuff up for the Georgia game and the Texas A and M game by showing that package when they did. They that was absolutely intentional. And anybody that compares that with JJ Pekey's doing that to what Robert Kendichi was doing against Memphis in 2015, stop. This is completely different. So uh, you know I. I think a lot of people picked on the freeze era of trick plays and all that stuff in games that we didn't need to do trick plays. And, you know, the example you gave of Memphis, I, I never hated the the trick plays as much as everybody else. Look, you, you love them if they work, you hate them if they don't. I agree you should go out there and beat Memphis anyway. But if I remember correctly, at that point in the game, we weren't, we, we were not clicking on all cylinders. We were trying something different. I don't hate it, but everybody else hates uh, that. I like the trick. I like the trick plays. We were up either 14 to seven or 14 to nothing getting ready. If they would have kicked the field goal to go up 17, nothing. Were instead we? Of get, yeah. Instead it gets stopped. Memphis goes down and scores a touchdown. And all of a sudden the momentum completely swung. I that did not remember worst- that part. That is the worst go forward on fourth down in the history of go forward on fourth downs. And that is including all of the stuff that Lane has done. Steven, you are right. You are right. Uh, I completely forgot that. You are a hundred percent right. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. I do remember that. Uh well, maybe I'll maybe I'll rewind that a little bit. That scenario, uh, take that back. But um, you know, I I don't hate it. I, I think it's a recruiting tactic too. I think you get somebody like JJ Pegues who's Obviously, an Oxford guy interested in Ole Miss, and you tell him, "Hey, look, you, you've got good hands. Uh, why don't you come to Ole Miss? We'll throw you a touchdown, you know, at some point in the season, or try it, you know." And that's cool for the big guys. He basically ran the Wildcat at Oxford for a state championship. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what it was. He he did that in there. So it's what a situation like Robert Kendici where he was just back there and it was a special thing. No, it JJ Pegues has done this a lot. At Auburn, yeah. he ran the Wildcat. So yeah. whenever Gus Malzahn was there, and he's been in on, he's a two-way player essentially for Ole Miss's team. He's the short yardage tight end already, and I mean, I, I have no problem with this. I want to see him throw a pass. Honestly, I want to see him throw a pass. Maybe we can do it in the Egg Bowl. 
I, like I said, I love the trick plays, but it's hard to, it's kind of like the fourth down mentality to me. If Kiffin goes for it on fourth and three from our own 10 yard line, if he gets it, everybody's ecstatic. If he doesn't get it, you sit there and say, wow, you're an idiot. I can't believe we didn't get it on fourth and three from our own 10 yard line, just handed the other team a touchdown. But I kind of look at the trick plays as a similar mentality, but uh, we've become so efficient on fourth down now. It's almost not not a fair comparison. It's almost an apples to oranges comparison because we're we're so poor on third down. I feel like we're almost we're, using we're that poor as like on a, third down because we're going for it on fourth down. So it's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. We're almost using it as two third downs. You know. Yeah, and and, and you have a situation. I think that I talked about on the podcast. When was that? Monday, maybe. Um, that Lane Kiffin's kind of evolving as a coach. He doesn't really know how to deal with a defense that's this good. And he doesn't know how to coach to it and use it as a weapon. And I think you're seeing that. The last three games, there's been one go for it on fourth down that just didn't make sense. But most of the chance, they just punt the ball poorly, but they punt the ball. And there's not many teams that can drive the field against this Ole Miss defense. If you look, Ole Miss is like third in the SEC in defensive scoring um, efficiency behind Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, saw that. I mean, yeah, it's pretty heady area. And if you look at like the the elite, they did a chart where like one side is the defensive efficiency and the bottom part is the offensive efficiency. So the goal was to get up in the top corner. It's basically Ole Miss and Georgia in that area. And well, well, I was about to say, look, in, at the beginning of the year, I think a cause for concern was some of – I think we've mentioned it a lot. Some of these guys we, like, have gotten transfers from were, you know, lower-end teams like a North Texas or, you know, wherever that may be. Could they step up and play SEC caliber football? And all of these guys have seen a lot of football, and the experience level is probably trumping the skill level, so to speak. They've seen a lot of football. They may not have the natural gift. They may not have, you know, whatever it takes to be immediately deemed a SEC quality back. But all of these guys are in the right positions at the right time, and they've seen a lot of football. They're experienced, and there's not a lot of highs and lows on this defense at all. I, th I think the most overrated thing in football is bigger, stronger, faster. And there's a reason that Iowa's defense is really good. And that's because it's coached to, they're always in the right place. They do some things that's a little bit different and they're hyper aggressive with what they're doing. Pete Golding's doing a lot of that same stuff at Ole Miss. And they're fourth in the country in sacks. They're eighth in the country in tackles for loss. They're starting to turn over teams. And it isn't because this team is faster. Now there's some bigger, stronger players, Jared Ivey and JJ Begees. And the linebacker core can absolutely fly. But overall, you don't look at this defense and say, okay, that that looks like Alabama of 2012. That No, that that's not the case. But what you have is a defense that is very, very aggressive. They want to have explosive plays to get you in third and long and then get off the field on third down. Sometimes you're going to get that first down. Sometimes you're not. But whenever it's not working, it can snowball on you. And Pete Golding is really good at taking one three and out, and all of a sudden you look up and it's like three possessions of three and outs, and you don't even know what's happening. 
Man, he's just done. I know we talk about it a lot. He's just done such an exceptional job that it really, really been exciting to see. And honestly, just kind of mind boggling to see. I don't think anybody had this high level of expectations for him. No, not not even a little bit. It should be a lot of fun anyway. But thank you for making the Locked On Ole podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Pratt Rogers joins us like he always does every week. I hope you have a good one, Pratt. See you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye.